friends, we're back for your favorite weekly podcast show. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 578, and we're recording on July the 19th. I uh, hope everyone's well. Abriana, how are you? I'm good. Can you believe it's already July? I mean, almost August. It's The summer is flying by, um, but definitely enjoying the heat and humidity here. And uh, just, you know, being outside and not uh, not waking up quite as early, you know, with the kids not in school and um, still working from home. So I'm good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. It's it's like you said, it's hot. It's humid. It's uh, it's it's sticky up here in Toronto. Um, you know, we're like high 90s every day right now. Um, very little rain. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. I, you know, and, and funny you say like, you know, we're already like, you know, past the middle of July and, and, you know, I start getting worried when the kids haven't been out that long and I'm already seeing the ads for back to school on TV. So that's, uh, <laughs> that seems too quick for me, but, uh, anyhow, yeah, and then, uh, oh, yeah. Did you watch, uh, did you take in any of the home run derby or the all-star festivities that are going on? No, you know, I did not get a chance to tune in. I've been kind of like in a bubble lately. I feel like anything that's happening, sports or news, I am just uh, been head down with, you know, between family stuff and work. And um, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. But no, I missed it all. Did you watch it? Did you enjoy I, it? I watched it. Yeah. So uh, Juan Soto uh, took the title there last night. Uh, uh, over Rodriguez, so two young guys going at it. But uh, you know, like it's interesting. Like just quick sidebar on Juan Soto. I don't know if you saw. He turned down a 15-year, 440 million dollar contract extension from the Washington Nationals. 15 years, 440 million. Said no. Like that. That take. That takes some guts. I gotta say. Um, but anyways, and then he goes out and wins the uh, you know the home run derby. But was that part um, of the plan? <laughs> maybe maybe i don't know but uh anyhow we have a show to bring you this week um four stories as usual and abriana is going to start us off with a little bit of an update from a story uh from a few weeks back uh so on that front uh you might remember we talked about a company called social shelf or a product called social shelf uh that was uh, being tested in a number of uh, grocery stores and um the company reached out to us with uh, some updated numbers on the performance of the campaign. So I'll let Ariana kick us off with that. Yeah, I love this update. Anyways, you know, there's so many times that we're talking about anything, you know, announcement campaign product wise that's rolling out. And we're like, yeah, it sounds exciting. But what are the numbers? What does the data say? How, you know, how are consumers actually um interacting with this. What does that look like? And so we had a follow-up from this story, which was awesome. Thank you so much for reaching out and sharing that with us, Social Shelf team. Um, but, you know, they had some amazing responses here. So uh, in Giant, they had 15 stores that were a sampling with approximately 100 brands. Um, and so through this 90-day trial that they completed in the Giant supermarkets, they garnered more than 30,000 individual page views. And apparently Giant was so happy with the results that they have been finalizing their agreement to move into all 151 stores um, in the three states and began monetizing it. So that's really a great update, some big stats and numbers there. 
And in a New Jersey wine and liquor chain called Bourbon Street Wine and Spirits, they had nearly 200 brands, nine stores during that 90 day trial, that POC, and they had more than 25,000 unique page views. I think that's great. You think of probably like recipes or wine pairings, you know, I'm sure there's a lot that they could do there. Um, and then in Harris Teeter, another supermarket in the Southeast, they had 14 uh, sample stores in that Charlotte market, 100 brands and gained nearly 2000 views in the first few days. This was when they had shared that it was just, they were just kicking it off. So getting started, they're working with nearly 500 brands to date and uh, Harris Teeter is probably looking to finalize the test and monetize starting in the fourth quarter. So great update from the social shelf team. And it's good to see that, you know, what their product sets out to do. It's really working and consumers are really engaging in that environment. So super cool stuff. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think that, uh, you know, that kind of engagement and number of page views that they're driving, you know, I think the brands, if, if I'm a brand, I'm super happy with that. If I'm the retailer that's, you know, trying to have that, you know, brand product on my shelves, you know, and being able to show that I can drive engagement through, you know, this type of tech, um, you know, I think that's a good thing. So I think it's win-win for everybody. And it seems like they're, uh, you know, they're getting the right eyeballs in the right traction. Uh, on this to, to grow this forward. So uh, congrats to Social Shelf. All right, let's go into our, our main stories for this week. Um, I'll let you uh, lead us there as well. All right, so I really liked this story a lot. This one really resonates with me and it's from a company called Readyland and they create children's books, but not just any children's books. These are, um, you know, books that are printed, but they're integrated with um, smart speakers and voice assistant technology that's powered by Alexa, right? So, you know, as we are in the summer and we're trying to juggle work and we're like, you know, on calls, both of us as parents, and then we have kids activities and, um, you know, they're still home sometimes. It's interesting because you're trying to manage, like, how do I make sure they're not on their tablet all day or in front of the TV all day and really kind of minimize that digital time? So in an effort to create this like screen free or maybe just less screen time summer for kids, Readyland is, you know, creating these books and they're very interactive. It's very cool. So they allow the kids to do things like talk to the characters, um, play games or songs and involve themselves kind of in the story and dive in a little bit more. So they are even a lot like an enabling a, a conversation with the characters so that the characters can talk back to the children using the AI smart tech um, to respond to the reader's voice. So every time that the kid opens the book, they get this new unique experience. I know we have a few books that are really fun that are like choose your own adventure and you get to make a choice and then you go to different pages. But this is a little bit different where you're, you know, having that technology from a sound perspective that's interacting with the kids. So I really, really love this. Um, so they just, an example that they gave that I thought was really interesting, they just released a new edition of Jack and the Beanstalk. And so with the magic spell, the reader creates early on in the story, the book's going to change the story outcomes um, as the book progresses. So these are all available for purchase on Amazon for $14.99 each. I am definitely heading there and investing on one of those later today. I'm so excited. Um, but I think this is really cool. You know, it's simple. It's not anything crazy, but uh, my kids are interacting with Alexa all the time to play this song or ask questions or, 
you know, when they're curious about random things about like volcanoes that I just don't know the answer to, you know, that's where they head as a source of information. So because they're already used to interacting there, this is like kind of a seamless transition. So getting them more involved with books um, and reading, especially as I have, you know, a rising kindergartner, she's like, I don't really know how to read that good. So this is something that maybe is a little more interactive and intuitive and can work with, you know, different age groups. So I love it. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. And uh, I mean, obviously, th there's a reason I gave you this story, right? Because you've got those those girls, uh, you know, in the in the age group that uh, this is perfect for it makes sense, right? And I, th I think it's, you know, if I think back to when my kids were young, and, um, you know, reading these types of books, I, you know, I, or, you know, sitting there reading them to them, um, you, you know, I think, having a, a way for these things to be interactive and, you know, the sounds and sound effects and, you know, encouraging them to sort of interact with the characters or understand the characters or identify with the characters, um, you know, in different ways, I, I think makes a ton of sense. So I, I really like this. I think, you know, um, you know it's funny because I was having a conversation with my son yesterday and he was asking, you know, about, uh, you know, getting a book on Audible, um, you know, which we have a, an Audible account. And, um, you know, and it's obviously, you know, it's a full-on novel and, uh, you know, what, what teenagers read these days, sci-fi and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think even that kind of stuff could be interesting in an interactive, you know, format, right, uh, in some way. And, it, you know, and it kind of, the other thought that kind of ran through my head as you were talking was, you know, uh, at least up here in, in Toronto where I am, you've got, you know, some of the newer movie theaters now have this, you know, the full on, you know, effects, right, where you're sitting in the seat and, you know, the seat is, you know, moving and shaking and you get the full sound effects and motion effects and even smell now they're trying to incorporate into um, like sense uh, into things. So like, you know, you're watching Top Gun Maverick and you're like chair is like, you know, shaking with with, with the plane, like, you know, stuff like that. Um, but, but it's like, if you can do the same kind of thing with audio and, and books and kind of bring that experience to life for them, it resonates a lot more, right? Uh, that sensory experience. So I, I really like it. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to hear what your girls think about this, um, as they get to play around with it. So we'll follow up with that then. <laughs> Yeah. All right. On to our second story now. So we're going to jump over to Peru um, with a very interesting, cool uh, campaign that was put together by um, a retailer there uh, called Oshela, I think is how you say it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but uh, it's O-E-C-H-S-L-E. -E. Um, and this is a fashion retailer uh, based in Peru. And um, you know, one of the things that they were seeing kind of coming out of COVID is a lot of the um, live theater uh, performances and, and, and venues, you know, obviously struggled, you know, during COVID. And now that things are back, many of them are still not at full capacity, uh, either not selling uh, tickets for full capacity or, or just people aren't, aren't haven't returned in, in full capacity in some way. So um, together with their uh, ad agency, Fahrenheit DDB, uh, they came up with a pretty cool campaign, which is they basically went to, you know, these, uh, these theaters and they, they bought up all of the empty seats, um, uh, like, you know, like to fill the theater. And then in the empty seats, they put mannequins uh, into the seats dressed in, you know, their different fashion and clothing that they sell. 
Um, and then on each of these mannequins, there's um, a QR code, a shoppable QR code that the audience members who are there can scan, you know, on the mannequins, uh, you know, on the different clothing items and then, you know, buy, you know, from, from there directly. And uh, it, it kind of serves two purposes. So the one hand, you know, the, the theater, um, you know, themselves are struggling, uh, in many cases struggling to survive, you know, the people working there, the, the actors, the performers, you know, the ticket sellers, you know, are struggling as well, because unless it's, it's full, they're not, you know, like they're, they're not really making, uh, you know, money. And so, you know, these guys walk in and they just buy up all that inventory, you know, giving them a full theater, essentially, worth of ticket sales. And at the same time, they're finding a different way to drive their product, you know, into the, um, the minds and, and the, uh, the wallets of the, the people who are sitting there, uh, which I think is super interesting. And they, they said that, you know, previously they would buy, you know, sort of an ad placement in the, in the program or something like that, you know, of the show, like the actual bulletin, uh, the program. And uh, they said, like, this is way more interactive. This is way more engaging uh, and tactile, you know, uh, than, you know, just having an ad in, 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 the, in the program guide. Um, and it gave them something that, you know, that, uh, that people can interact and actually shop directly, you know, from, you know, the QR codes on, on, on this, uh, on these mannequins. So I think it's pretty cool, um, and, uh, and, and very creative. So good on, uh, Oshella and Fahrenheit DDB. Any thoughts on this? No, I think it's super fun. Fun fact, I just, um, did some quick research. So it was founded by a German immigrant. It's actually pronounced Excel. Okay. My my bad, my bad. I mean, I would I would have gone with O'Shell too. I was like, I don't know, that's not even a you know close to a Spanish word or pronunciation. So that's why it is spelled kind of odd. But yes, I think this is great. Like having those interactive experiences. You know, maybe you have downtime, or maybe you're not interested in what's happening because you're there with a significant other or a friend who dragged you there to the show, and you were going to be shopping mannequins in between. Um, or like during intermission or whatever it might be. So I think that it's, it is fun and I like that it is interactive and they're making good use of it, you know? Again, like you mentioned, looking at a piece of paper or a program and kind of shopping through that is, is a little antiquated. So having something that's visibly right in front of you kind of as part of the show um, is a pretty cool experience. Yeah. But finding that sometimes is hard. And this next story is about search, which I think is simple yet very uh, helpful and um, great for consumers. So Simon Property Group, think of Simon Malls, you know, all of the different uh, property groups that I know there's several here in New York, we had them in the Southeast as well in Atlanta and all over, uh, but they have launched Simon Search. And this is a search platform that's designed to give us as shoppers the ability to find out what's in stock um, and across obviously participating retailers and within the Simon property. So this is gonna be available through the Simon app, property websites, and then interactive directories that are on property as well. So some of the participating retailers so far are Aeropostale, Urban Outfitters, Anthropology Gap, Athleta, Banana Republic, Old Navy, that whole crew, uh, J. Crew, uh, and JCPenney. So I think this is really helpful. Nothing worse than seeing something like online in a store, you go in there, they don't have it, or it says they have it and they don't. Um, you know, I think that you're usually, when we go into a store these days, we are 
you know, sometimes we're browsing, but a lot of times we're looking for something very specific. So knowing what's there and what's in stock before you head over there, I think is, um, you know, so helpful. Again, simple story. They are planning for a broader rollout later this year as they're starting uh, testing right now in 25 Simon retail centers across the U.S. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm excited about this. This is this should be the norm. This should be the standard in today's day and age. Um, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than getting somewhere and they just don't have what you need. So simple solution for, you know, a problem that probably many of us have encountered. Yeah, I, I think it's it is it is simple and it, I think it's great. I think it's it's important, you know, as you said, most of the time we're going in for a specific item uh, in these malls, in these stores. Um, and I think the one thing I like about this is that, you know, it's it's available across, you know, their the Simon mobile app across their websites for the different malls and and on the interactive directories. So it, it's not just, hey, this is only in the app. They've you know, they've made sure that the the capability to search here uh, is, is across all the, the different sort of channels that they have uh, that give you access to, you know, the, you know, the stores that are in those properties. I think the other thing that, you know, that I'm thinking about is, as, as you were kind of uh, sharing this story is, you know, recently we've covered a few other stories about, you know, malls that are starting to get into the business of live streaming uh, and kind of bringing the mall, if you will, to the, the consumer at home. And so, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, like, I, you know, if you're seeing like, you know, uh, a Gap store from a Simon Mall, you know, being broadcast, you know, essentially into your in, into your home on your browser while you're sitting at your computer at home, you know, having the search capability tied into that to not just like, hey, we're showing you what's going on in the mall right now, you know, in this particular store or this group of stores, but, you know, to have the, the real-time inventory data tied into that, I think would be interesting. So, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's simple. They're testing it at 29 uh, of their uh, retail centers, their malls across the U.S. right now and looking to go bigger. And I, I, I think this makes a ton of sense. Um, I've always been, been a big proponent of any kind of real-time inventory data that you can make available and surface to the end consumer. Uh, you know, obviously there's been other apps in the past that have tried to do that, um, you know, uh, but uh, I think this, you know, as a property group, as, a, as, a, as an owner of retail centers and, and shopping malls, I think that, you know, they're well positioned to offer this type of thing. So I like it. Okay, on to our final story. Now this is, this is an interesting one for me. Um, we're gonna talk about a company called Geo Broadcast Solutions. Now Geo Broadcast is a company that's uh, been a part of the LVMA uh, family for a number of years now, uh, based in the Chicago area. Um, and uh, they're in the radio business. And when I talk about radio, I'm talking about terrestrial radio, uh, not you know uh, streaming. Uh, and they are in a bit of a, uh, a legal battle right now uh, where 49 state broadcast associations have come out against uh, Geo Broadcast Solutions uh, on a proposal that they have in front of the FCC that would allow uh, FM boosters to broadcast targeted content. Uh, this, by that, I mean geo-targeted content for five minutes or less per hour. 
um, and the NAB is campaigning against this. So a little, little quick backstory on this. So Geo Broadcast uh, developed a, um, a small cell type tower solution uh, that uh, they had tested some years ago uh, with uh, a fair amount of success that enables you to take a terrestrial um, radio signal and then break that signal down into uh, four you know, quadrants, let's call it. And in those in, you know, sort of quadrants across a single terrestrial uh, signal, you can then geo-target different ad content into the different areas. Um, so obviously, you know, here at the LBMA, you know, we, we talk about geo-targeting and geofencing, you know, across the board. And uh, this is mainstream when it comes to mobile and, you know, even TV now. Um, you know, but in radio, you know, this is this is is still new technology. And what we have here is, you know, innovation, you know, technology that works that you know essentially enables geotargeting to happen on terrestrial radio. But you have the sort of mainstream, you know, sort of owners and operators, you know, of these networks and, and the big the big stations uh saying no we don't want to allow this because you know essentially we don't have control of this technology and and, and it's you know out of out, out of the realm and in, in the private sector so um you know it, it's interesting like you know that you know there's this legal battle going on the fcc uh you know this is before them right now for for approval but you have a huge group of state broadcast associations uh you know the nab you know and at the center of this is iHeartRadio, which is uh you know fight you know fighting uh you know this type of innovation going forward so i think it's interesting i'm i'm uh you know i'm hopeful you know as an industry uh you know as a location-based industry that you know, innovation and technology like what Geo Broadcast has has in the market here, you know, can succeed and can find a footing uh, and start to scale. Because I think, especially when it comes to local uh, radio uh, and small radio, um, you know, having the ability to geo target makes a ton of sense. I think it it's, it, it makes a lot of sense for local advertisers. Uh, you have geo targeting on virtually every other form of media out there. You know, web. TV, uh, you know, out of home, you know, Google ads, you know, Facebook ads, all of that can be geo-targeted. Why can't we do this on radio? And and so I'm, uh, you know, I, as I said, I'm hopeful for these guys that, uh, you know, they're, they're able to get the ear of the uh, the right people at the FCC and get this, you know, this uh, uh, approved. Um, but, uh, you know, it looks like they're fighting an uphill battle. Any thoughts from you on that, Abrana? Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to money, right? This is a money play yeah. and it's actually absurd. As you mentioned, the fact that this is available on all other digital medias that we can geo-target and we do as an industry, um, I think that's valuable to both the advertisers and the consumers. I think about the radio stations I listen to here being just outside of the city and maybe where I go and the information that I receive and the advertising that I receive should be different and should be tailored to me versus someone who lives just in Manhattan, right? Because their interests and where they're willing to go is going to be very different than where I'm willing to go on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so I don't think that their um, issue paper in terms of the issues that they cited are, are valuable at all. I think they're actually um, counterintuitive to both advertisers and consumers. Um, and it's strictly for the benefit of, you know, the bigger and larger corporations as usual. Yeah. 
as usual yeah so yeah let's you know holding out hope here and uh you know uh just want to you know shout out to these guys encourage them to keep fighting the good fight and uh you know we want to see these types of technologies succeed and as as we do any kind of innovation you know that's um in and around location-based you know content or media um and uh and geotargeting so um yeah, let's um, you know keep keep us updated, guys. If there's uh, if there's more that's coming on this, and, and we'll be watching as well. So that's our show for this week. Uh, four stories there, a bit of a uh, an update as well on our friends at the Social Shelf. Uh, thank you for sharing some numbers on the success of your pilots, and uh, you've been listening and watching episode number five hundred and seventy eight of Location Weekly. We thank you as always for your time. Please reach out if you have story ideas. If you're uh, in the UK right now or in New York uh, like Gabriana is or up here in Toronto or anywhere else right now that's dealing with extreme heat, stay cool, find some shelter, uh, eat some ice cream, whatever is going to help you out and uh, you know um, we'll see you next week with another show. Take care everybody. Bye. Bye.